0: Hello, I'm Adam, and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you'll hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This season is sponsored by the wonderful people at PlantGrow, producers of award-winning organic fertilisers made with zero chemicals, great for your garden and even greater for the planet. And don't forget, if you use the code POTTINGBENCH on plantgrow.co.uk, you'll get 10% off your order. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to ask, if you listen to this podcast, then please consider rating and leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It's easy to do, takes a few minutes of your time, but it helps this podcast get into the ears of more like-minded, planty people. Now, this episode features a conversation with gardener, garden coach, writer, and fellow podcaster, Andrew Timothy O'Brien. Andrew aims to help others enjoy their gardens for more than just their physical appearance. Listen now to hear all about Andrew's new book and so much more. So, for anyone who is not familiar with you right now, who are you and what is it that you do? (laughs) What a great question. Um, I am Andrew Timothy O'Brien and I'm a
1: gardener and a podcaster and a blogger. I feel like I've got a, a business card that's like a concertina. You take it out. And it's just, you know, but everyone does, the, you know, these kind of multi hyphenated job descriptions that everyone has these days. So I'm um, a writer now because I've written a book and uh, an online gardening coach, which um, is, you know, takes up an increasing amount of my time away from gardens. But I'm really enjoying that uh, particular new Avenue that to explore in my work, so um,
0: that's me. So is the gar- is the garden coaching or gardening coaching? Don't know which is the correct there, but <laughs> is that is that a relatively new thing that you've done? That
1: it's. Fun- funny you should ask actually because I had been interested and and I'd been intending to launch it when I launched it but that time coincided with the beginning of lockdown and so everyone was kind of looking at courses and everyone was looking at their gardens and um, so that actually worked out quite well for me. Of course at the time you start to feel a little bit guilty I know a lot of people who were running businesses online were thinking oh can I really sell into this kind of space where no one's really sure whether what's going to happen to their income and it was so uncertain but to be perfectly honest we all just had to get on with you know everyone just had to get on and and do whatever they could do um and as i say i was intending to do that anyway so it's been going for about yeah probably about three years now is that three years i don't know i've lost time time's
0: gone into a a, into a sort of vortex isn't it these last vacuum of time isn't it yeah i know it's it's funny because when i saw that you did that i think it was because uh, I was still kind of new to, I suppose, uh, the industry and kind of getting to know people mm. seeing other, other people other than just what I'd seen and kind of telling whatever. And I think it was the first kind of time that I, I was perhaps aware of gardening coaching or like kind of online mm. gardening coaching. And I don't know if – is there that much of it that, that kind of goes on? Well, no, which is marvellous for me. But – I've always found it
1: slightly strange that more people aren't doing it. I mean, you do see people online who you know as gardeners anyway, who offer coaching, but they tend to be one-to-one sessions. You might come to them through their online channels um, or, you know, you might have come to them through some other way, but actually the, the coaching is delivered uh, in a one-to-one live environment rather than using the sort of online uh, sort of suite of tools, I suppose. Um which is surprising to me that more people aren't doing it yeah. um, because, I mean, it's it's not that we can hide away or anything like that. But I mean, you've got Zoom and you've got email and you've got all these tools that we've had for ages. Mm. Um, and they're just as suitable to use in a gardening environment as they are, um, you know, for business or, or social, anything really. So, yeah, just as you were saying, I'm slightly surprised that there's not more people doing it. There's the one other person I can think of and they're in uh, in, in in Washington state. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so no competition for you directly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I haven't got anyone all that far up the Pacific Northwest yet, but um, <laughs> I, I have got clients in in um, America, but but not quite there yet.
0: That is interesting. I wonder why there's not more of that going on. So how did that did that come about? Was that planning on happening pre lockdown anyway? Was it just? Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. It's no, it's no, as I say, it. I was thinking about doing it anyway because. But I'm nosy and I love to
1: hear about people's gardening ventures and I love to help, I suppose, my work I see as encouraging people to feel better about their gardens and to realise that they can really do all this stuff anyway. Um, I mean, there's always more to learn. I always, you know, I've forgotten so much already and and I've still got loads more to learn first time myself. So being a jobbing gardener, there's only so many gardens I can get round to uh, myself. So oh, oh, if I can sort of find a different model where I can still be there for people in that capacity of, of, of helping them and encouraging them rather than doing the actual work themselves? And why not use the online medium that, you know, I'm using every day anyway for, for just communicating about gardens anyway through the blog or through the podcast? So it just seemed to make sense. I and mean, that's kind of how it was born, out of uh, not because lockdown was happening, as I say. That was, that, that was kind of incidental. We actually launched it the, at Christmas just before... We went into all of that,
0: oh, right? So it had, so it had actually launched. So that was that mm. was three or four months before, I suppose. Yeah, we went into lockdown. So what were mm. you doing? What were you doing prior to prior to the garden coaching? What was your kind of bread and butter before that?
1: Yeah, jobbing gardener, kind of garden round, going round, and I mean, I've still got three gardens that I do, but I had a lot more then, and I spent. Yeah, so now I'm spending, and I miss. In some ways, I'm I miss being out so much. I've I've now gone back to being more sedentary than I'd like to be, after <laughs> you know sat behind a desk, especially when I've been writing a, a book as well. Um, so so that's probably the only downside. Is that although you know when it's actually freezing cold, it's it's kind of an upside. Um, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, so I I was going around my my whole week was filled with. Um, you know, the privilege of being able to fertile around in other people's flowerbeds.
0: Fertile around in other people. What a, what a phrase. I do enjoy.
1: Yeah. With their permission. I wasn't just yeah. like wandering
0: <laughs> in. Not just, yeah, you're not just going in uh, willy-nilly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what has kind of become um, customary in, in the podcast is, uh, and something that I think is of great interest to me, and I think other people, is people's roots into mm. into gardening, which I realize every time I say that is 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 a pun. Which is, is not, <laughs> what was what was your kind of root in then? How did you how did you get into gardening?
1: It's funny because it's a, I, I'm always interested in teasing this out about people as well um, on my podcast, and I think there are different kinds of people, aren't there? There are some people who kind of get the bug right at the beginning as children, and they never lose it, and they just it kind of builds and builds in this massive crescendo and they're really purposeful about it. And there are people who know nothing about it and don't even interact with the garden or nature until some point, and then they suddenly fall in love with it. And then there's people like me who kind of were brought up Messing around a little bit in the garden, I would... You know, my parents were quite... I think my mum was actually more interested that I went out and tidied the garden up and raked up the leaves and stuff like that and got annoyed that I wasn't fascinated in the garden when all she was giving me was chores to do. But that said... I did go out and spend my pocket money on seeds. and I remember it was, you know, I'm, I'm you know, half a hundred years old. So this was like the late 70s, early 80s. So there was like very bedding plant heavy, you know, Allison and, and begonias and stuff like that. I'd go out and buy my little trays and shove them in the garden and watch them die. Um, and I had a small forest of chives. Um, that was marvellous. And one giant angelica plant. And I would pop into Woolworths. I don't know if anyone remembers Woolworths. Um yeah. And I'd spend my pocket money, you know, getting seeds and, and buying a bit of compost and stuff like that. So that was probably up until I was old enough to discover guitars and girls and things like that at school. And then, you know, gardening just got swept un- under the car because there were more interesting things to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's nothing more interesting in gardening, but I was f- foolish and young. Um, but um, <laughs> now I'm foolish and old. And old. <laughs> 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 um, so, um... But, but at least I'm wiser about gardening so yeah I forgot about gardening really until I would say we bought a property um, which was quite a long time later um, we moved out of London and we got a little uh, a house with a little garden and then because it was there you know you buy a house you've got this thing at the back of your house that you go okay what do I do with it now got to fill it up somehow and then the bug kicked back in again and I think you know that's as I say that's like a third kind of journey you know excited about about it when you're young, you forget about it, and then you get back into it. Um, and they kind of built from there, to the extent that I realized, although I was working in kind of publishing and uh, graphic design at that time, I didn't really want to be stuck in an office all the time. And I felt, I kind of came alive when I was outside in a natural. What I would call a natural. I mean, yeah, you could say okay, it's a semi-natural, um, you know, managed environment. But you know, I was outside with the weather uh, and the plants, and that just seemed to. There was a sudden realization that okay, I'm I'm wired to feel really alive and in my element when I'm kneeling down here weeding with my hands in the dirt. And not everyone's like that. Um and from that point on it was like, okay, what do I do about this now? Do I I I love trees and woodlands, still do. So the uh, the the question was do I go in and, and do something? Uh do I go and become, you know, study arboriculture? or do I go and do horticulture and I kind of carried on doing graphic design but doing my RHS qualifications in the in the evenings that's that's how it came about and then sort of transitioned into okay I'm going to do this full time and earn my money as I say fertling in other people's flower beds <laughs> so that
0: that, that was with the journey permission. yeah with their
1: permission so, I just think yeah.
0: it's so interesting because and what is kind of a common thread is that is about how People kind of get into into horticulture, and I think the, the different mm. avenues in—I'll uh, go for avenues instead of uh, instead of <laughs> roots. Uh, although of course an avenue is a is a tree. Exactly, like, I know you, you can't it, help it, anything. Adam. You're just you're just really gifted can't. with these. It's in my bones. It's in my blood. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not in my blood. It's in my bones, perhaps. But it's um, in your sap. Yeah. It's in my... <laughs> it is in my sap. You're right. But I just yeah. think it's really interesting as to I, I just, and I know that the that this podcast gets a kind of swathe of different listeners, and I think mm. it's, for younger people, it's really interesting to hear about those different kind of the conventional routes in and the non-conventional mm. kind of routes. And I think it's always great to hear of career changes because it sounds to me as though you'd got a pretty established career, but yeah. then, you were then building on a kind of a. Um, I suppose a, not a hidden but kind of a something that was there kind of all the time mm. I suppose that you had tapped into really didn't
1: Yeah absolutely and I have to say I, I couldn't have done it without the support of my wife because as you know horticulture isn't necessarily the best paid of, of careers mm-hmm. especially when you're starting out a business they say you know you start out a business you're lucky if you break even in the first three years kind of thing um, it wasn't quite that bad but it was probably only not quite that bad because starting up as a self-employed gardener you haven't got a massive outlay you ha- you do have an outlay I mean obviously I had to buy a had to buy a vehicle and I had to buy a kit and stuff so there was you know a certain amount but I was uh, you know I didn't have premises um, mm. to worry about and I didn't have a massive amount of monthly outgoing once I'd got the kit but yeah, so it is it is harder, I would say. And, and what I'm saying by that is it's kind of, it is still kind of a privileged position to be able to be in. And this shouldn't really be the case that you have to have that kind of support if you're going to go into horticulture. And that's obviously something we'd love to see change. And we'd love to see people in the industry, you know, paying more money um, yeah. so that it becomes a career that people not only want to go into and are enthused about going into, but can actually afford to um earn a decent living. And of course people say well yeah there are positions within horticulture and you can point to these different jobs where you can actually earn a decent living. But they're not they're not the um they're not entry majority level. yeah oh. and they're not entry level you know so, so so that's that's a consideration i was fortunate and i'm very grateful for the help that you know that i've received yeah.
0: to be able to do this i think the other yeah. thing that you've done as well is kind of take it in different uh paths as well, well <laughs> i'm really avoiding yeah. avenue and, <laughs> and... <laughs> i was n- really not that conscious of it until now uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you you have you have done that. You haven't just kind of stuck with just kind of being a gardener. You've you've got the online coaching as well. But you've also got your podcast. What is mm. your what's your podcast called and what, what is your podcast about?
1: My podcast is called Gardens, Weeds and Words, which is the same name as the blog. And really because those are three things that I'm fascinated about. Um and very linked together as well. And basically it's a podcast for it's kind of you know ostensibly a gardening podcast but in many ways it's not really it's kind of a nature podcast it's a podcast of people creative people who are infused by plants in the natural world and that's their jumping off point into you know whatever else they might think about um there's usually a little book review which is where the words come in also I'm very big when I'm gardening I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge consumer of audio books, so there's always something kind of playing in my in my ears and, and, and getting me thinking and if I'm not Doing that, then I'm thinking about what I'm going to write either on, you know, the uh, Instagram. Or, or my blog, or um, the blog's having a little bit of a snooze at the moment. I spent two years—not two consecutive years—I took a year off in between writing a blog post every day. So yeah, that was great. It was really, it was really good practice for the book as well. But um, uh, yeah, so so there's always something sort of bubbling away. Instagram now is probably where I, I, you know, put most of my gardening thoughts, um, as, as well as the podcast. So yeah, gardens, weeds, and words, and that's really what it's for. I think it's, it's garden inspired really it's not you wouldn't listen to my podcast to go okay how do i do this yeah. you listen to my podcast to go oh i feel like a bit of inspiration for yeah uh, for being in the guard. and also someone said to me today um oh i, I really you know, it was a really nice email they said um, i haven't i've taken up a criminally long time getting to listen to your podcast but you know thank you so much for doing it i'm really enjoying listening to it uh on the train into london and that is was so good to hear because Actually, it's kind of that kind of person that I have in my head yeah. when I'm recording it, because I want people to feel enthused and relax. I suppose to feel the same sense of relaxation and life aliveness and, um, and that kind of feeling of serenity and connectedness to nature as well irrespective of where they are. So yep. to hear that someone's just, you know, might be sitting on a, a train, which could be, you know, jammed in like sardines and they've got their nose in someone's armpit or something and think, oh, I really wish I was somewhere else. But they can actually also be accompanying me in the garden while I'm, you know... Pruning a rose, or and yeah. waffling on about something, is is great, and that's exactly what the podcast uh, was was aimed to be.
0: It's funny, really, that you kind of say that. That it's you know it's it's a commuter. That's kind of effectively what they're doing at the time. I think this is kind of what you were saying, but is effectively what they're doing at the the time of listening is it it couldn't be any further from gardening yeah it's that kind of juxtaposition i suppose that's really interesting Mm is that you you have listeners that may listen while they're gardening but may may be doing something completely different
1: yeah and i wonder if part of that thinking about it now is i do remember when i started to want to go back to what i was saying earlier when i suddenly realized that gardening was kind of how i was wired i do remember and i'm sure you'll remember this if if you came now i'm trying to interview you because i don't know how you came <laughs> into gardening um so you have to tell me off if i switch the roles back <laughs> <laughs> but um but when you come if if you're a person who discovers gardening you fall for it you tend to fall for it hard and i suppose it's like any pastime and and you just become obsessed about it for those first few years and everything is 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 gardening this and gardening that and you know compost and tomatoes and winter sow things and all that malarkey and you're boring people who don't want to hear about it but you just can't stop talking about it and you can't stop thinking about it and I remember times when I was commuting in or sitting behind a computer and watching a little progress bar going over the screen you know um thinking, ah, oh, I could be in the allotment or something like that. I could be, you know, hearing the birds and, and I'm sat here and oh, I could I could be sowing trays of seeds and I wish it was somewhere else. And to be able to actually do that with the sound, you know, it's, it's such a gift, all this technology that we have on our phones and, and our computers to actually be able to create those worlds. And podcasting's exploded so much where you can really... I think you can provide a service to people where you can allow themselves to be taken out of a situation that they might, you know, be, you know, at the very, you know, at best finding a little bit boring and at worst finding actually quite stressful, and, and give them that escape and take them with you on 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 a journey into something that really enthuses you and hopefully they might get some enjoyment out of if they try it, but even if they don't want to try it. Maybe it's just enough that they listen to it on the train and they never even go into the garden, but they might appreciate, you know, looking at the plant life in the station car park that they'd notice on the way home or something like that. They don't have to become really active gardeners, but, you know, you're just giving... A doorway into another world for people you're, you're totally
0: right I, I had somebody message me not so long ago that said that they listened to the podcast and they said that they'd got a balcony garden they'd, but but mm. it wasn't a um you know substantial balcony garden it was a it was a balcony garden with a couple of pots but mm. they kind of said uh kind of in a roundabout way that they were kind of gardening vicariously kind of through mm. the podcast which i suppose is it's kind of what we're saying isn't it really yeah you know that, that you're not able to necessarily do that uh kind of on a gardening hardcore basis but you mm. don't kind of do that in the same way that you would you know you listen to a podcast about any of your other interests or whatever mm. it is, that you're kind of not doing them but it's your way of doing it through somebody else isn't it exactly and it doesn't
1: have to be you there's this i mean it's not endless me waffling on on my podcast actually thank Thankfully, as anyone who's listening to me talking now will say, you know, I have people who I find much more interesting than myself talking. We were talking about this a bit earlier, weren't we? Um, how we just like to sit back and get the other person to do the talking. Um, but also, I, I I don't know about you, I quite like to. Um, we were boring each other as well earlier, talking about technology that we used to record our podcast. I quite like to let my little recorder just run in the garden while mm. I'm working, and you will just you you hear the birds and you'll hear the sound of the squeaky. Wind wheelbarrow wheel or something like that and and i'll let that run on the podcast for for a while so it's a bit asmr i guess in Mm, some ways It is. i I, I, I love it you know uh and, and and i think there's a lot of i mean you see you know meditation apps and mindfulness and um resources that you can download to your phone now and i think there's a there's a space for that within podcasting as well and if i can build a little bit of that into the into the podcast then yeah why not
0: Yeah, i love it I think going back slightly you mentioned you mentioned your Instagram and I think it would be a shame for us to um kind of skip over that. I think you've got one of the most the best way to describe this I should have written something really um provocative shouldn't I before <laughs> I said this but you you have got one of the kind of the most thought provoking but also ridiculously stylish and I don't know if that's in, intentional but you've got a real way with and and now talking to you that that graphic design background is is kind of coming in there for right that aspect. You've just got a real way with your Instagram, and it's one of those ones that I kind of have a mini shriek inside when I see a, a new story or a new post from you because it's not. <laughs> although you say you put a lot, you, you put effort into it, you're not a uh, prolific poster. You're kind of not on mm-hmm. there all the time, are you? I have been at points, so I'm more relaxed
1: now than I was, but I live in Instagram for a lot. So if you look at my Instagram usage, it's probably about, it's many hours a day, <laughs> many yeah. hours. You look at it. And you say, so I, I'm on there a lot interacting with people. If I'm not posting, I, I will be commenting on other people's posts. And when I first got into it, I was I would post religiously at least once a day always at the same time of day and I'd make sure that I was liking other people's posts just before I posted to get you know all these kind of algorithm I was on, I was on before the al- the, al- the kind of algorithm as we talk about it now really kicked mm. in and I did a wonderful course uh, with Sarah Tasker I don't know if you've come across her her, yeah. her email account is, is me and all of her and she was just like you know probably I would say she was the original Instagram queen She and, uh, lots of other people have set themselves up in this kind of thing now. but her course was the, the Insta retreat it was fabulous and it just really broke down and it still it still runs and you've got kind of I'm giving her an, a, a free advert on your <laughs> podcast now but it is it's is, it's a good way to get your head in, into, in, into Instagram and the way that, that people interact with it and how that shifts it's such a community i find mm. so yeah okay i'm sitting there chucking out content which i take pleasure in. i love photography as well um, and i love getting inside flower beds and taking pictures of plants from the point of view of other plants if you see what it means so that's kind of. so i'm not a macro photographer but i will you know i'll hide inside another plant and take a picture of another so you get you get that kind of depth of field going on and it might not always be terribly in focus because you know technique's not my strong point (laughs) i like i like to say i go for atmosphere rather than technique um but um (laughs) So there's that, so there's a visual side, and there's the, you know, I love crafting um, a, a caption and to, to sort of make people, I don't just say what, I'm, I'm just sharing my thoughts, really, they're not really, I'm not sitting down thinking, oh, how can I make people think? Um so there's that side. That's, that's kind of the upload. That's the um, that, that's the giving people stuff. Mm. I get so much back from it. And this is the thing, too, as a kind of slightly introverted, self-employed gardener, something like Instagram just came around at exactly the right time because I've got a community of really supportive people. And I know that obviously there are downsides to social media as well as upsides. But I think sometimes the upsides get a little bit lost yeah. in the, in the noise because the people I found people such as yourself. And we would, again, we were saying earlier, you know, there's people that you really know as friends and you trust and you might not still, I've still got, them, I haven't actually met them in real life yet, but they yeah. are some of the people that I would call on any time if I and I have called on if I've um and have been there for me when you know terrible things have uh, have happened over the last few years. Um, so yeah, you get a lot from something uh, from an online community as well. I find definitely yeah. and
0: i think you you're right is that some of that is lost i think in the in the very obvious uh negatives of social media i think we we're kind of easy to jump to some of those that you know that it's kind of addictive etc and i think we, we really easily jump to those and sometimes forget about those amazing connections that we've made and they they, they are uh you know they're not just kind of digital connections they are kind of real mm. connections. And, and as though we just we said before we were recording that and i've kind of i've said this before when i've spoke to someone for the first time properly on a podcast is though mm. it's, it doesn't ever feel gen- generally like it's the first time you spoke because of you having those kind of daily interactions you may have sent the odd voice note to each other and it's, it's as though yeah. you're just talking to someone that you've you've known it's quite it's quite amazing really it's quite unique in the way that it does that i think social media
1: it's broadened horizons so much um because you know 10 years ago or something you'd have to you'd You'd have to be, you know, physically networking, wouldn't you? And and going to lots of clubs and things, mm. um, which is great, but time consuming. And and now you can do all of this. And again, obviously, it's got its downsides. It's got, you know, politically and, and socially, you've got loads of dangers and loads of kind of weird stuff that can just get amplified. But the good stuff gets amplified as well, um, I find. And... I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And I don't know how my career would have developed without it. I really can't see, you know, things like obviously the podcast, the blog, even the, just the support from being a jobbing gardener. Um, I've met so many amazing professionals. I've, you know, I've worked on Chelsea Gardens. I've, you know, been to Chelsea as a, you know, with with a Press tickets and stuff like that um that just wouldn't have happened without social media I, I'm, mm. I'm sure I, I don't know if i'd have written a book or you know i'd be just firing off letters and, and stuff like that and getting loads of rejection things <laughs> back and uh, which i know is you know a pretty standard but it seems to have acted as a catalyst i think certainly in my case so yeah i'm all for it
0: i think uh one thing to go back over as well is about your social media is that i think we, we think of instagram as purely pictures but and you've you've said here about the kind of the captions and the wording that you you do have a very good way with words which leads us very nicely onto your book of course (laughs) which is I think genuinely think I think it's quite unique and because it's not I don't I mean I'll let you explain what it is but I I think it's difficult to it's difficult for me to explain it because I think it's part kind of narrative but also there are instructional elements in there but but it Mm. At the heart of it, it's not a in a similar way to your podcast. It's not a gardening book. Game. No, it's
1: not. And that's that's exactly it. And it's quite funny because if you look at structurally where it sits within the publishers and no one would see this it's just kind of knowing how it was commissioned it sits half within the gardening list and half within the literary list Mm. um so it is it it does fall between the two and I think I suppose that was a that was a challenge pitching it as a book because it's not a how-to book This is actually quite like my coaching as well. I will tell people how to do things. I'm not about the how to do things. I'm more interested in inspiring people in what they might want to do or feel. And the how to do kind of comes around through that, I think, and through encouraging people to experience and observe and enjoy and have that interaction with nature. That's what the book is really it's it, it's a it's kind of a hymn to the nature that we find outside our back doors really it, and it, it's it's a it's a mindful a, a set of mindful meditations in a way so it, there are how-tos in there but they're bonkers how-tos there's there's like eight that th- there are th- I wanted people to say that's such a ridiculous how-to of course I know how to dig a hole or how to water a plant stuff like that because I wanted these things to say yeah you know how to do these but have you tried doing it while really appreciating all of the fine things about you know listening to the tone of the watering can as you're filling Mm -hmm. it up or you know how to listen to a bird or you know have you really thought about what you're doing when you're digging a hole and how that hole no one really wants a hole you you, you dig a hole but you don't really want a hole you want the thing that's put in the hole you know and then there won't be any hole anymore so (laughs) what are we actually doing when we're sticking these great sharp objects into to the soil which we you know we want to think of as a friend and is so full of you know networks of of life and microbial life and 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 sort of fungal mycelial activity and networks and then we just whopping great big blades into it it's a funny way to treat a friend isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so so it's just like a, a different different perspectives on stuff that we do unthinkingly and what can we gain from, you know, just taking a step back. And, you know, the book's called Stand and Stare. It really is um, about taking a step back and and thinking a while um, in a space that we're accustomed to being in while enjoying the presence of nature.
0: I think it's great. I, I genuinely think it's great. And I think it's one that I'm enjoying seeing all over Instagram. Uh, lots of my kind of Instagram friends have, um uh, joyfully kind of brandishing their copy but i think it's fantastic and i think if you haven't seen it i'll have, i'll put all the uh, details in the show notes for anyone that's listening that that hasn't got a copy of, of where you can where you can find one so we've got to that point of the podcast where i've got three questions for you not i like to think it's it's not somewhere it's not mastermind level and it's not um the chase level it's somewhere in between <laughs> those, are, those <laughs> are my kind of upper and lower echelons of okay um so number one if you were stuck on a desert island with only one other gardener who would that be and why and it doesn't need to be famous
1: oh one other gardener well there's a sneaky answer to that adam <laughs> because my book is about two gardeners and one of them's me And the other one is about the gardener that sneaks in. And when I'm not, when I've done all my bit and planted the plants that I've planted from that I bought in the garden centre, the second gardener pops in and and, plants plants Everything else that's going to grow really well, <laughs> all the buttercups <laughs> and the and the and the herb robber and the and the and, and the herb um, and and the hairy bittercress and stuff like that. And that gardener, of course, is, is Mother Nature. So you know, it's it's a it's a story of two gardeners, and that's kind of how I think every garden is. It is it, it's the human gardener, and it's it's the natural one. So yeah, if you want to, if you're going to want a person. <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna to have to go with that because if i say a person everyone's gonna go oh okay so you didn't want me then
0: <laughs> yeah i did I, you know do you know i did think that when i came up with this question i thought at some point someone's gonna feel as though they've offended every other gardener except for the one that they've chosen but exactly <laughs> we'll go with mother nature that's a very sense thank answer. you very much <laughs> uh if you could never garden again what would you spend your time doing instead uh reading which is easy
1: isn't it okay. With my podcast, i Gardens Weeds Birds, I'd read about gardens or I'd listen to
0: audiobooks or, or, or stuff. Mm. Yeah, definitely. A bit more vicarious gardening. Exactly. Yeah. And if you had to flee your garden right now, which one thing or plant would you take with you?
1: That's such an interesting thing because, again... One thing I wanted to talk about, I think I talked about in the first episode of the podcast, and it's also at the beginning of the book, there was this garden, which I'm sure you saw probably about four years ago now, and it's for the Lemon Tree Trust, and it was done by Tom Massey. And it was a garden that was built around and inspired by um, by refugee camps and internally displaced person camps um, in Iraq. And the the fascinating thing about it was that people were fleeing their homes in Syria and Kurdistan, and you think, okay, they're going to why are they going to go? They're going to grab a photo album or something. They're going to grab, you know, really meaningful, I don't know, ornaments or letters or something like that, and stuff for the the kids, soft toys and things. But also, they're stopping for long enough in fleeing their homes from these war torn places to take cuttings of roses and and pelargoniums and stuff like that to plant. In the camps to build new gardens. So so many people are arriving with these memories of home sort of enshrined in, in, in these plants that they're putting in soil in completely alien lands and, and building these gardens. And and you think, oh, okay, so I've got this space. You're probably going to want to cover it, it completely as a living space. But actually, no, they dedicate part of their space. And this happens, you know, time and time again. People dedicate part of their space to sink these memories of home into it's just fascinating so yeah i think maybe it's hardwired into us we would grab a plant for me that was probably going to be oh i'd probably want to grab an apple tree or a rose or maybe even a bramble those are all the same family aren't they (laughs) 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 and and two of them make crumble (laughs) oh very true um
0: yeah
1: yeah so yeah i mean apples would be high up on the list definitely
0: I'll let you have apples then. (laughs) No. Thank you. (laughs) Andrew's book, To Stand and Stare, is out now from DK Books and is available online and in all good bookshops. You can find Andrew on Instagram at andrewtimothyob or on Twitter under the same handle. Join me again next week where I'll be in conversation with another fantastic Plantee guest. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram at View from the Potting Bench to see what I'm up to in my garden, or visit viewfromthepottingbench.com to read my blog and much more.